Fox fans. Are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast with your hosts, Mike Walters and Eddie Jones. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, on my co-host, Eddie Jones, and we're going to get you caught up. This last week, the Ducks went on a road trip. Eddie and I thought the Ducks would win uh, three of these games, <laughs> and uh, the Ducks ended up going 500 on this road trip, but it was a roller coaster of a road trip, Eddie, which we will get to. We'll also talk about how this uh, road trip affects maybe what Murray does at the trade deadline, and we have so many fan questions, it's ridiculous. So we'll get to a lot of those, talk about a lot of topics around the league and the NHL as well, but let's get to this road trip, Eddie, the Ducks. They played Boston first. We talked about this on the last show. They ended up winning that game. That was a tough game that we uh, thought the Ducks would you know, have to deal with. Then they had some games where, well, we thought the Ducks would win some of these games. Uh, they played Ottawa, Montreal, Buffalo, some teams we thought that they would beat. We knew there was a tough game against Toronto. But, Eddie, this was just a weird road trip. The Ducks ended up 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. And they had a hard time against some weak teams in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I mean, the weakest teams in the in the Eastern Conference. They were playing the bottom three in Buffalo, Ottawa, and Montreal. And uh, they only got the two points from Buffalo, one point from Ottawa, and no points from Montreal. So they came out with three out of six against the bottom teams in the East. And to be honest, we expected them to at least come out with two wins if not three, because especially the way some of these teams are playing. I mean, Ottawa had lost six in a row before the Ducks came into, into town. Uh, Buffalo was struggling as well. Montreal wasn't doing so well either. And Carey Price didn't even start in the Montreal game either. Just unacceptable losses. There, we'll, we'll get into the games and break them down a little bit anyway. But just you know, in, in a lot of the games, there's either bad defensive coverage, bad turnovers, you know, bad goaltending on some occasions, and it was just a mix of everything in some of these games. Yeah, absolutely. So the Ducks, they they played Boston on the first uh, game of this road trip. Boston had an 18-game point streak. The Ducks beat them, so you kind of were going into the rest of the games going, all right, okay, the Ducks took out the Bruins, you know. Uh, they were hot. They knocked them out. They go in to play Ottawa. And they can't score a goal to save their life in this game. Uh, Ottawa get, you know, ends up getting a goal um, by, of course, the former Duck, Bobby Ryan. He gets one in the third period. Kessler ends up getting one late in this game to force overtime. But the Ducks end up losing in overtime, Eddie, in a game where they just couldn't really generate that much offense. Yeah, uh, and, and I mean, it, there's no excuse, especially against a team that just hasn't been that great. Uh, and I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it was on a power play in overtime. Was it for the Sens? Yes, yeah, yes. So, Both their goals were on power plays. Yeah. So, I, I mean, you know, there, there wasn't much they could do in the overtime one, uh, especially when Eric Carlson is going to wind up and, and take a shot from there. There's not much you can do. But to be honest, it should have never gotten to that point. Uh, I mean, the Ducks played a, a pretty decent game at 5-on-5. Five five. They continued to get better going on into the third period, especially, obviously, when they got the game-tying goal late in the third by Ryan Kessler. But they just couldn't get anything going. Uh, I mean, it, it's hard to say what went wrong in this game for the Ducks. They didn't really capitalize on their chances. They had a couple of power plays, didn't get anything going. And like you said, the Sens had both their goals on the power play. So, again, the penalty kill continued to struggle. 
Well, you know, one thing that a lot of, uh, you know, fans I saw kind of, they criticized Wagner in this game because it looked like the Ducks were going to have a power play late in the game. Wagner goes and delivers a check. They end up calling a penalty on him. It ends up being four and four. Then there's another penalty called uh, later by Silverberg. Uh, you know, what did you think about that? I mean, a lot of the fans, uh, there was kind of mixed reactions. Some people thought, well, the Ducks had a delayed penalty. Wagner should have checked the guy. But if you go back and look at the the play, he barely touches the guy. I didn't even think it was really worth a penalty. I mean, I get it. It's a delayed penalty. You don't want to initiate contact. But what did you think? Because, you know, there were some fans that are pretty upset about that sequence of events in the third period. Yeah, there were some kind of questionable calls throughout the entire road trip. I remember a call, I think it was in the game against Toronto, that Bieksa kind of just sat in front of a guy who just skated in front of a Toronto player and, and just stopped in his tracks. And, got, and it got an interference penalty. It was early, in the I think, in the first period against Toronto. And then you look at these two penalties as well. I mean, the Wagner one was a little bit questionable. Uh, and then the late one was just kind of a dumb penalty that uh, led to uh, it, it extending into overtime and, and for Ottawa end up getting the power play goal in overtime to win the game. And that's kind of been an issue all season and maybe not just all season. I think this is a topic we're going to get into anyway, but the, the discipline yeah. for the Ducks and the disparity yeah. in penalties that are called for them, penalties called against them has been an issue for as long as I can remember. And it's, again, it's become an issue for the Ducks this year. And whether that's coaching, whether that's the duck, the players in the organization, you know, it spans over a long period of time. So it might be something a little bit more than that as well. I think it's just a combination of a lot of things. But it, it hurt the Ducks in this game. You know, the Ottawa had had two power play goals on four chances, and, and discipline has been a real issue for the Ducks. Yeah, and I mean, you talk about the penalties too. I mean, <laughs> you look at the stats. Go back to two thousand seven. And forward on, the Ducks are almost minus 500 in terms of power plays versus uh, penalty kills. I mean, it's pretty crazy. We asked Dan Wood about that on one of the last games, too. And I remember Steve Carroll got pretty upset about us asking that question because he said, yeah, I mean, he he feels like, I mean, like you said, I, I agree with you. I think it's a combination of things. But God, at what point do you not think it's, you know, Anaheim against the world? It's it's the refs. I mean, some of these calls, especially on this road trip, Eddie, have been marginal. I mean, it's tough. Yes, you got to play disciplined hockey. You know, you you can't let your uh, emotions control the game. But, I mean, in this game, a couple of these calls, and it really, uh, I mean, it probably cost the Ducks an extra point in this one. Yeah, for sure. And it was kind of a, a continuing trend throughout the entire road trip as well, just bad penalties. Uh, either leading to a goal directly on the power play, if not leading to a goal later on in the game. And it's just, you know, something that's come and hurt them as of late. You know, the penalty kill was great at the beginning of the season, but one of the main reasons it was so good was because of the goaltending. And now that that's dried up a bit, you're seeing a lot of the issues with the defense and a lot of issues with the, the penalty kill that we didn't see earlier on. Uh, and that's something to worry about. The penalty kill used to be one of the top 10, top 5, I think, at one point in the league. And now it's dropped down to the last time I checked, I think it was before the road trip, and it was around 15. Um, and it's just, you know, the holes are starting to be exposed. And I think a lot of that comes down to the Ducks uh, having a lot of issues on defense with their pairings. Um, and a lot of it, you're just not getting the goaltending. Yeah, right now, looking at it, their, their PK is 15th. And we remember when it was a strength for this team. So, yeah, I mean, it, I think it comes down to the fact that you're just not getting the same goaltending and you're seeing a lot of the, the issues, the underlying issues that were already there. 
You know, and, and that carried over in the next game. The uh, the Ducks played Montreal. Like you said, Price didn't play in this game. The Ducks actually came out strong on this one. You know, the first, you know, five, six minutes, uh, they looked good. Um, then Montreal got a goal, and then a goal turned into three goals. The Ducks got down 3 nothing early. Um, they didn't do well in the penalty kill. They gave up three power play goals out of seven chances for the uh, Montreal. And I think the wheels kind of came off in this game. I mean... God, the Ducks started out pretty good in this one, Eddie. But once Montreal got that three-goal lead, it was hard for the Ducks to come back. It was good to see Perry get on the board. Obviously, Raquel, we, we've known, has been leading the Ducks in, in goal scoring. But this was another uh, disappointing effort for the Ducks, uh, especially against Montreal, who has been playing poorly, and Carey Price was not in net. Yeah, I, I mean, they started pretty well until the first Montreal goal, and things fell apart. And, and then from there, Montreal just scored three quick goals. Uh, and there was really no coming back for the Ducks. And, and it, again, it's not like they played an awful game. I think this scoreline is a little bit uh, vindictive of what the, the outcome ended up being. I mean, they ended up losing 5-2. to two, But if you look at the stats, I, I mean, Corsi 4, they're 70%, so they control a lot of the shot attempts for uh, throughout the game. They had 15 more scoring chances than Montreal at 5-on-5. Five five. So they had their opportunities, and they outshot the, the Canadians 45-29. to 29. Uh, just Antinemi had a great game. Uh, you know, without Price, they, they ended up getting the only good performance I think Antinemi's had all season. Of course, it's against the Ducks, but yeah, I, I mean it's disappointing. Uh, you can't get in a hole that early and expect to come back no matter what. I, I mean, if you can come back against anybody this season, it'd probably be Montreal. And the Ducks had a pretty strong second period where they were able to, to score two goals. Uh, but by that point, it was too late, and, and there wasn't much that they were going to do. Nobody was really beating Niemi uh, on that night, and it came back to hurt them. Yeah, and like we talked about, discipline for the Ducks. You know, they had 24 penalty minutes in this game. Montreal only had eight. Um, you know, it's just frustrating. Uh, like you said, I mean, you, you would think even if you got behind, you'd be able to, uh, you know, uh, rally against Montreal, but it just didn't happen. And like you said, the goalie situation kind of up in air. Gibson has pretty much been out this road trip. So the Ducks have been going with Miller. Um, and he really didn't have his best game. Uh, I mean, Ottawa was kind of so-so. I mean, he gave it that late goal. It, it was okay. This game, he he ends up getting, you know, um, doing okay. And, and Barra, too, he gave up goals as well. I mean, uh, it's just kind of a mess when you've got – both of them in there, they're trying to do their best with Gibson out, but uh, you know they just couldn't do uh, what was necessary to beat Montreal. Yeah, and for the most part, the Ducks didn't play that many starting goaltenders on this road trip either. They didn't play Anderson in Ottawa. They played they played Condon. They didn't play Price in Montreal. They played Antiniemi. And for half the game, in the game against Toronto, they played Curtis McElhinney when Freddie got, uh, got out. And the only starting goaltender they played for the entire game was Robin Lehner against the Sabres, which makes it even worse the fact that they were only able to come out of it with five points out of a possible ten when you're facing two backup goalies who started the game and then you're facing a backup goalie halfway through a game where you have a tie game and he's coming in cold and you only, you only get one goal off him and it was a fluke goal by Ricard Raquel. Obviously, we'll get into that game in a bit. But yeah, I mean, just a disappointing road trip. I mean, we talked about at the beginning how we thought... You know, this this should be a time where they're going to be able to pick up points on the teams in front of them. And meanwhile, while the Ducks have been losing, teams like Calgary, teams like San Jose, the Kings, Minnesota, Dallas, all the teams around them have been winning. 
And it's just, you know, this is not the point where you want to be dropping points against teams in the bottom of, of the NHL. Yeah, like you talked about, this road trip, we really thought the Ducks uh, could at least get six points out of ten. They ended up getting five. But we thought, you know, Ottawa, uh, Montreal, Buffalo were some teams that they would beat. You know, they ended up getting, uh, you know, three points out of those uh, three games. But uh, it's just a really weird road trip. And then the Ducks, uh, they go in, they play the Maple Leafs, which, you know, they actually played a decent game against them. I mean, Matthews got an early goal, uh, which Miller... I don't know what he was doing. He was hugging the post in this game uh, early on. But the Ducks uh, battled it out in the second period. They actually took the lead. You had Getzloff, Raquel, and Kase all scoring goals. Um, Toronto rallied. They got a couple late goals, and then they ended up pulling it out in the third period with the last three goals. But a weird game. Uh, we knew that it was going to be tough against Toronto. We didn't think they were going to win. But a lot of bad turnovers in this game. Uh, Eddie, some some you know good goals by the Ducks, but they ended up dropping this one against uh, you know uh, their former goaltender Anderson, which we've got some fan questions about that. We'll talk about as well. But what did you think about this game against Toronto? The, the Ducks just shot themselves in the foot for this game. Um, I, I honestly thought for the most part they were the better team, but they were like you said turnovers. Uh, bad defensive plays. I mean, let's just start with, with the Austin Matthews goal that that opened the scoring for the Leafs. He blows by Kevin Bieksa, which isn't which obviously isn't a surprise. Um, <laughs> and then he throws a little pump fake to get around Miller, and Miller freezes on the post, and he's able to wrap it around and and score on the. And it's just not a bad, you know, not a good play for Bieksa, not a good play for Miller either. And, and that was kind of the precursor of what was to come. Uh, I mean, the William Nylander goal, the first one was a bad turnover by Cogliano, which led to Nylander getting a, a breakaway and he scores on that one. You go and you look at uh, the Mitch Marner goal is actually a pretty good goal. It was a, it was a snipe on the power play. There wasn't much uh, they could do about that one. Uh, the Leo Komarov goal, that was not a great one for Miller to let in either. Gardner kind of just floats it in from the point and Komarov gets the smallest of touches. I didn't even see it change deflection on the overhead yeah it was close yeah i mean it was they looked they showed the overhead and it didn't even look like it changed direction and and miller just didn't seem ready even for the gardner shot uh and that was a bad goal on him you look at nylander's second goal boschman is nowhere to be found nylander is in all kinds of space behind him gets his second breakaway of the game and scores Uh, and then austin matthews second goal of the game is again boschman's fault he is slow getting back and, and tracking him to the net, and, and he gets out muscled. And Matthews is able to scrape it over the line. Those are all preventable goals. And, and the Ducks, like I said, they shot themselves in the foot. You know, they had a, a very good showing from the first line in this one. Uh, you know, Perry had four assists, his second four assist game in his career. The last time he did that was back in 08 against Vancouver on Halloween. You had Raquel who had two goals and an assist, and you had Getzlaff who had a goal and assist. That line was great. And, and even Kasha, Henrik, and, and Richie at times were, were playing very well. So I, I think it was a wasted opportunity. Uh, I mean, the Ducks were getting goal scoring from this top line, having some decent play, controlling play at 5-on-5, five five, and just bad turnovers and bad defensive decision-making just ruined the game for them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this was the first game, too, that we saw Perry back on the top line with Raquel and Getzloff. Uh, you know, after that uh, game in Montreal, Randy Carlyle was like, I've had enough of this. I'm going to switch the lines up again. Obviously, it didn't work out in this game. I, I don't, like you said, I don't think they necessarily played a terrible game. I just think there was key moments where they made a couple turnovers that ended up biting them in the end. 
Um, you know, and the Ducks, you know, we knew it was going to be a tough game against Toronto, but they ended up dropping this one. And then they went in to face Buffalo in the last game. And <laughs> the Ducks ended up winning this one. I mean, it went to overtime. But, you know, this was another game that you, you thought the Ducks would win right away. Uh, Buffalo scored early. They got a shorthanded goal in the first period. Uh, Raquel and Kase scored. Uh, Perry scored as well. Uh, kind of on a weird play. Um, Ryan O'Reilly actually shoots the puck. He tries to clear the puck and shoots it in off the goaltender's stick. The Ducks kind of get a break there. Then, of course, he scores with 14 and point something seconds left to uh, tie this game. And then the birthday boy, Adam Henrique, ends up scoring overtime to get the Ducks the win in this one. So, you know, the Ducks, you know, they rebounded after the Toronto game, and they got two points in this game. Uh, but, man, Eddie, it's been a struggle for the Ducks on this road trip. You know, they, they like we said, they beat Boston. They had to hang on in the third period. Uh, they had some rough games against some of these Canadian teams. Uh, they play Buffalo. They win, but it had to go to overtime. I mean, what a what a rough road trip. But the Ducks, you know, they end up getting five points out of ten possible on this uh, uh, East Coast swing. Yeah, and honestly, this is one of the worst games of the road trip, even though they ended up getting the two points. Uh, I mean, Buffalo at home before this game was averaging 1.95 no, goals per game, which is the league worst. Uh, and you go into Buffalo and, you know, you scrape out an overtime win against one of the worst teams in the National Hockey League. It's just disappointing. The Ducks got very lucky on, all, on pretty much all their goals. I mean, they're either all bounces or rebounds that landed right to the right guy. Look at Raquel's goal, it lands right to him. He's able to sweep it in, and, and it actually goes in off lane of skate, and he gets that first goal. Kasha gets a, a pretty juicy rebound that Perry originally whiffs on, and yeah. lands right to Andre Kasha. He's <laughs> able to bank it in. And then, of course, the Perry goal had a lot of luck involved and a pretty juicy rebound from Laner as well. I mean, other than those three plays, Laner was great and he stood on his head for sure, but the Ducks were beneficiaries of some pretty good bounces. And, and I mean, they haven't seen that a lot this season, but this is a game that should have gone easily for them, and it didn't. They made it difficult, and obviously they get the, the two points, so nobody's looking back at it. But but I think one thing we, we have to talk about before we move on from this road trip is... You know, you look at the, the way the Ducks' top nine is set up, and, and I think at this point, if we were to look at, at all the lines, I think it's surprising the line that's struggling the most, and, and it's the line you wouldn't have expected at the beginning of the season, and, and it's the Cogliano, Kessler, and Silverberg line. Uh, I mean, that's the line that, that we always expect to be together, and we always expect if if the first line's struggling or the third line's struggling, they're going to be the ones that are always keeping together and playing solid, and they haven't been good. I mean, they got victimized by Austin Matthews, Nylander, and Hyman. Uh, they were awful that night in Toronto, and they weren't good in this one either. They they got beat up by by Jack Eichel and at times by Ryan O'Reilly. And I don't know if it's because Kessler's not playing; he's not at one hundred percent. You know, they're just not gelling uh, as a line like we'd expect them to. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with you. I mean, you look at what has happened on this road trip before we had thought, hey. The Ducks are in a decent spot. You know, they're playing fine. You know, there's a good chance to make the playoffs. Um, maybe a couple little tweaks here and there. But I agree with you. I mean, the lines got jumbled up a few times. The Kessler line. I mean, obviously, you're on the road trip. You're not going to be able to get that last change. Obviously, that's part of the, the, the uh, equation here. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, they did not play well at all. I mean, they got victimized, like you said, in a couple of these different games. And if you look at the Ducks right now, they're sitting on the outside looking in. 
you've got San Jose, Calgary. They both have 64 points. You have the Kings with 63, and you have the Ducks with 62. And, of course, the Ducks have played more games than all of those teams. So, I, I mean, I know a lot of people have sent us questions. We'll get to all those, too, but there's a big concern. Uh, before this road trip, I think you and I weren't really concerned what was you know, happening with the Ducks, but I think now, as the trade deadline approaches, uh, it's coming up on the 26th here. Uh, you know, we're in the beginning of February. Um, I think there is some concern, Eddie. I think the Ducks need need to make some kind of moves because the way that they're going right now, they're either going to make the the playoffs as the wild card and barely squeak in, or they might not make it at all. Yeah, and and we talked about this before too. I, I think you know the Central Division is so good. Unless some of these teams fall apart, I think there's only going to be three Pacific Division teams that make it. So the Ducks are going to have to be one of those teams that gets in into the top three. And you know Vegas isn't falling out, so now you're fighting with San Jose, Calgary, or LA. And, and you know over this road trip, the Ducks dropped five valuable points. And Calgary picked up a couple wins. San Jose picked up a couple wins. So did LA. And even the Central Division teams fighting for the wild card. Dallas, Dallas has played well, and Minnesota's played well. Uh, you know, and, and these points are going to come back to haunt you. These are teams you're supposed to beat. Uh, obviously, no, you know, no game is an easy game in the NHL. But there are teams that you should be beating. And the Senators, the Sabers, and the Montreal Canadiens were teams that you should be beating at that point in the season. And they're struggling. And now you've got to go into some of the tougher games coming up. You've got to play uh, the Oilers, who are starting to go on a roll. And Connor McDavid has been unbelievable for them lately. And you've got to play the Sharks. And I think that's, you know, if you look at the to this point of the season, that game against the Sharks is the biggest game of the season. Because you look at where they're standing, uh, sitting second, 53 games played, 64 points. Ducks are at 55 games played and 62 points. That's the biggest four-point game they've had all season. And if you lose that one you bury yourself. I mean, it's not impossible, but you put yourself in a really difficult position. Yeah, I mean, another thing to consider, too, don't forget the tiebreaker, too. You look at the row, the regulation and overtime wins. San Jose has 25. Calgary has 26. LA has 27. The Ducks only have 23. They're behind, not only in games played, but also in that row category. So, I mean... This is a huge, huge opportunity here in these couple games. They gotta, they gotta play Edmonton on Friday. They gotta beat them. They, like you said, they have San Jose on Sunday, which San Jose laid the smackdown on the Ducks last time. They, they blew them out of the water, literally. So, I mean, these are some big games coming up on this, on this homestand here. I mean, it's, it's a short one. They're only gonna be playing, you know, these couple games here and there. But they gotta win these ones to get the, you know, the Pacific Division opponents. Uh, I mean, it's just. It's tough right now, and it kind of leads into basically the second half of the show, Eddie. There's a lot of concern about the trade deadline coming up. You know, should the Ducks make some moves? Um, we even threw out a poll question because a lot of people had concerns about Nick Ritchie, which kind of went crazy. I mean, a lot of people in the early uh, voting, it was about 80 to 20% people said trade Nick Ritchie. It backed off. Now it's in the 60%. But there's a lot of concern after this road trip and how the Ducks have, uh, have played against some of these weaker teams, as you and I have talked about. Um, you know, it, it seems like sometimes they don't play to the level of their opponent necessarily. Uh, you know, they'll play up to, to tough teams, but then they'll play down to some of these weaker teams, which doesn't work out. So we've got a lot of fan questions to get to. But looking at this road trip, 
Uh, are you concerned, Eddie? A lot of fans are concerned after this that you know the Ducks need to make some kind of move. We'll get into the specifics, but but what do you think after this last five games? Yeah, I mean, it has to be concerning, and I don't even think it it's the offense anymore. I mean, for how many years has it been one of the Ducks going to get that top-line left winger? And then, you know, they acquired Patrick Eves, and it wasn't necessarily the top-line winger we were looking for, but he gelled well with Getzlaff, so that kind of quieted down a bit. And then we got to the draft, and, and there were names available, and the Ducks didn't really go out and get anybody, and it kind of pushed into this season again. You know, the defense was, was pretty strong. You had your top four, Fowler, Votnin, Lindholm, Manson, and you had Montour playing with most likely BX. So it wasn't that, that wasn't a concern. And then the Ducks ended up trading Votnin for Henrique, he comes in and has an immediate impact and is still having a strong impact with the Ducks. And now the thing that's been a strength of the Ducks for as long as we can remember is a weakness. The, the Ducks have one good pairing. Luckily, it's one of the, the best pairings in the NHL with Lindholm and Manson. But that second pairing with Fowler and BX is not good. And that third pairing with Boschman and Montour is just awful. And they're being exposed for it. You know, when, now that the fact that the goaltending is trailed off, Gibson's obviously hurt, uh, so it's tough on Miller to get in and, and start those games, and it's tough to criticize him. But you know, even even with Gibson as well, you can't rely on the goaltending to be as excellent as it's been all season. And that's the biggest worry for me is, is the Ducks are now being exposed for the weaknesses that they do have, and, and that's on defense. And we saw that completely evident in the game against Toronto and some of the goals that were scored and, and even so in the game against Montreal as well um, and if you know if you've got teams like Montreal uh, and Toronto is a good team you've got teams like Toronto exposing your defense as well imagine when you have to go in in the playoffs and play teams like Nashville and play teams like Winnipeg and you know you got to play the, the Golden Knights as well you know the Ducks are really going to get exposed if they don't add anybody on defense yeah, and we've talked about that on the last couple of shows, and we'll get into that too. That's that's really the concern right here is the Ducks defense. I think you hit the nail on the head. You have Lindholm, you have Manson on that pairing, but after that, there's a there's a significant drop off, and that's been a problem. We did get a little bit of an update today uh, on Gibson. We heard that he is practicing. Um, he was placed on the IR, but he is going to be uh, available uh, for the game against Edmonton. So we hope he's back. Uh, nothing official on that, but. Like you said, Eddie, you, you know you rely on Gibson so much. The Ducks, you know, relied on Miller on the road trip, which unfortunately he did not play well on this road trip. We really thought he would have done better. Some weak goals that he gave up, but it leads us to the fan questions. There's a lot of, you know, what are the Ducks going to do? How are they going to prove? How are they going to make the playoffs? How are they going to make a push? Um, and a lot of it centered around Nick Ritchie, and that's why we put out that that uh, poll question. And we got tons of questions on Ritchie. What do the Ducks do with Ritchie? Uh, some people said, hey, let's send him back down to San Diego. Some people said, hey, let's do nothing. Other people said, okay, let's trade him, but what are we going to get? Well, here, here's the bottom line. If we send him down to San Diego, he has to clear waivers. So he might get picked up for nothing or he might clear. It's a risk that I don't know if Murray would want to take. So then after that, it's, okay, do we try to trade him or do we do nothing, Eddie? I mean, what do you think at this point? He's only got four goals so far this season. He had 14 last season. Do you think he's just had a, a, an off year or do you think it's time for the Ducks to say, hey, you know what? He needs a change of scenery. Let's go get somebody else. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough because... You know, it, no organization ever wants to give up on a top 10 draft pick and, and say they're a bust. 
Uh, I think we're at the point where it's safe to say that Nick Ritchie as a as a top ten pick in its in itself is a bust. Um, you know, I I think he can still be a valuable player to the right team in this league. I don't know if that team is the Anaheim Ducks. Um, I think he's found a place on the, on the third line with Henrique and Kasha. Um, you know, the only reason I, I think you would ever trade him is if he could be part of a deal that helps you bring in a defenseman. And, and we'll get into names, but just to name a couple, either Nick Garmelson or Ryan McDonough or something, if he can be a part of that package that brings you that defenseman who's going to help you out, then then for sure. I think there's some guys you can call up, namely Kevin Waugh Nick Cordillis or or others, even Cali Casilla as well. Guys, you can fill a role on that third line and you're not really missing what Nick Ritchie brings to the game. Um, as for looking to just trade him on his own, I don't think it's something they really something they really pursue or something even they really need to do. Uh, there's no really need to trade Nick Ritchie. He's not doing anything necessarily wrong other than the fact that you know he's not playing up to the level we would have hoped from him as, and what you would hope from a top 10 draft pick. Uh, but yeah, I, I think really the only way he ends up getting moved is if he's part of a bigger deal. Yeah, I, I agree with you too. I, I think you don't send him down. You don't want to risk, you know, him getting picked up on waivers for nothing. But if Murray's shopping around these next couple of weeks, I think uh, Richie is someone that they maybe pair with somebody and they look at something like that. Obviously, we talked about Pacioretty as one of the names. We talked about Evander Kane. We know he's out there. I don't know if he would be one that would come to the Ducks. Um, but I agree with you. I think if the Ducks are going to look to improve something going in the second half of the season, it needs to be the defense. Um, Bieksa and Boschman haven't been cutting it. I mean, that's just the reality that we're seeing right now. Um, the Ducks pairings have you know done okay, the top four, but – the bottom three hasn't been there. So that's something I look at. I mean, I don't know if you would want to trade for a forward, Eddie. I know somebody talked about Britannian out of uh, Vancouver. I don't know what you think about that. But um, I definitely think it's somebody that the Ducks look at. I, I, I think Richie is definitely um, – I, I don't know if he necessarily be traded, but I definitely think that Murray has to be thinking, you know, how do I improve this team? And, and maybe if you look at the forwards because – there's other forwards that could come up, and a lot of people ask that too. You know, Kevin Waugh did well. He could come up and fill in. We have JT Brown now. Um, you know, there's there's different other players that can come up. Uh, Nick Tredelius, which, you know, he was called up. He didn't play in that last game against Buffalo. So I, I wouldn't put it past Murray to at least consider trading him, Eddie. Yeah, I think it's possible. And you brought up uh, Jake Vertanen, and we, we that was part of a question from, from Manuel on Twitter. And he said, what do you think about trading Richie for Vertanen? Because both seem to be struggling. Uh, Richie's a lefty, Vertanen's a righty. And, and that he had heard that Vancouver needs grit. And uh, you know what? I'm not against it. Um, we've seen trades in the past that teams have traded away guys that have been struggling and brought in, in guys uh, you know, trying to revive their career. In some cases, it's worked. In some cases, it hasn't. Um, whether you know going and making a swap with the Canucks for Vertanen is, is the right option to pursue in the avenue, I don't know. I think they're very similar players. I think they were both victim of circumstance at the time they were drafted. I, I think at that time, teams were still looking for those heavy, big-hitting guys who can score. 
And, you know, Vertanen ended up going six overall in, in the 2014 entry, NHL entry draft really because of that. He scored 45 goals in his draft year. It was a big guy, you know, played hard. And, and I think that was a reason that he went so high. And Nick Ritchie was another one of those guys. And I think that's a big reason why he went 10th overall. And they, you you look at uh, as well the guy who went fifth overall to to the Islanders and Michael Dow Cole he's only played five or sorry four NHL games and he fits that mold as well. All three of those guys have struggled and it's it's no surprise looking back at it now and, and the type of players that they are. But you know maybe Vertanen comes over and benefits from a new a new situation new system. Um, for me, it's not the avenue pursue. Uh, there are a lot of other guys out there who are. are more of a type of player you would want in today's NHL that are on teams, uh, struggling teams, and and you know our, things aren't working out. I think a name we had brought up uh, maybe a, a month ago was Joshua Hosang, uh, because of some of the the comments that the coach in the AHL made about him. I don't know if that is something that gets made. I don't even know if the Islanders want to really move on from Josh Hosang yet. Maybe then you look and you work around a trade of. of putting Nick Ritchie in a deal to get Joshua Hosang. I mean, that's just speculation, and, and that's just looking at two guys who aren't working out in their current situation. Uh, but I think it's definitely something you can look at. Yeah, I mean, the Ducks have to do something. That's the bottom line. I mean, I mean, looking at this, whether like we talked about Britannian from uh, Vancouver, um, I mean, they have to do something. One thing I'm not opposed to, and, and this was another fan question too, is they talk about, hey, um, you know, uh, Alex asks, uh, when are any of these younger guys going to get a chance? You know, who would you call up come playoff time? Well, I'm going with Kevin Law. That, that's who I would go with. Uh, 25 games with the Ducks this year, you know, six goals. I mean, it's more than Richie. Richie had four goals in 49 games. So that's the one I would go with. If you're going to pull up someone to make a move, you pull, you bring him up. If not, you look towards uh, Cordelius maybe. Uh, I mean, that's what you got to do. But if the Ducks aren't going to do that and they're going to make a trade, I think if you're looking at this, I think you take Richie and maybe you pair him with someone else. Maybe Larson. We've talked about his name before, Eddie. I'm not saying that you would want to, but if you're going to go after maybe a bigger name like a Kane or a Pacioretty, maybe that's somebody you do. But I don't really think the issue is so much on offense with this team. I really think it's the defense. And we talked about this before. I think another name out there you and I have talked about is uh, Yarmelson. I, I think if the Ducks want to go get someone else to fix part of the defensive issue. I, I think that's someone the Ducks should go for. I think they should target more defense than offense, Eddie. Yeah, I think we we should, though. We should address... There were a fair amount of questions on the forwards. And, yeah. I, and I think we should address why why we don't think it's a good option anymore. So I'm just going to go through and sure. I'm going to look at some of the people that ask questions about... About the Ford. So so Garrett asked, Do you think Mary gets a uh, sorry, do you think Murray gets a minor piece this deadline and ships out a lower pick or goes all in for the playoff push and acquires a big name? Uh, and then he he listed Harmless and, and, and McDonough, but he also listed Hoffman and Pacioretty. And and I think, you know, those were guys before these defensive issues became glaring issues were guys we had talked about as well. And guys that, you know, the Ducks could look to go out and get and put on that top line and, and, you know, become a better team from it. And now you just, you just can't see that happening anymore. And, and, 
you know, the pieces you'd have to give up, the rumors in a deal for, for a guy like Pacioretty and what you'd have to give up to get him, a guy like Hoffman, um, you know, both those guys have term left on their deals. And then you look at some of the, the value out there or what teams are expecting to get for UFAs on Ford. You look at the, the price the Rangers are asking for Rick Nash. It was like a first-round pick, uh, a top-three prospect in your system, a warm body plus plus another pick or another prospect. I mean, that's insane for a guy whose cap rate is so high, uh, who hasn't played that well in the last four seasons. And you're expecting to get that much from him. He's a UFA at the end of the season. And the same thing is with the Sabres and their valuing of Evander Kane, who's a UFA at the end of the season. I mean, at this point, if teams are asking that much for UFAs, imagine what a guy like Pacioretty is going to command and a guy like uh, Mike Hoffman is going to command. And I just don't think the Ducks are, in, in, one, in any position to compete with teams to get those guys. I don't think they have the assets unless you're willing to move your first-round pick, Sam Steele, plus a roster player, maybe Jakob Larson or Josh Maher or something of that, that's that's a huge, huge haul for whatever team you send them to. And that's a big loss for the Ducks. And, and does getting Patch Ready or Hoffman make you that much better? You know, Do they win you enough games compared to if you go out and you get a defenseman? I don't think so. I think you might bring in Patch Ready and Hoffman and they win you three, four, maybe five more games than you would have without them. And if you go out and you get a guy like Jarmelson or McDonough or, or another defenseman who can you can actually have a good pairing with Fowler, I think you win a lot more games doing that than you do going out and getting a top six forward. I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, defense wins championships. And I, I don't think going out and getting a patch ready or a cane or any other kind of forward, I, I, don't, I just don't see them. Like you said, you maybe win a couple more games down the stretch. But right now, the issue with the Ducks is the defense. It's not the offense. Um, yeah, Richie hasn't been doing as well, and maybe you do dangle him out there and try to make a trade. But if you do, you go pick up somebody, like you said, to help out Fowler uh, on the defense. Because right now the Ducks, I mean, especially on this road trip, they're playing some sorry teams. Let's be honest. They're playing Montreal, Ottawa, Buffalo, teams that they should destroy and beat. And they lose in overtime, they lose in regulation, and they barely win in overtime. I mean, it's just unacceptable. The Ducks are going to make a playoff push, uh, and, and a push like you said. I mean, you look at the Pacific Division. There's a there's a high probability that three teams come from the Pacific, five come from the Central. So I would look for the Ducks to pick up a defensive player uh, going forward. I think that's the way that they have to go, Eddie. Um, and looking at what the Ducks have to offer, I don't know if they want to give out a, a Steel or a Jones. I don't know if that's necessarily what they want to do. But if you're going to dangle out a Richie or a Larson, maybe they do that. Unless they want to pull up Larson now, which I, I don't really see them doing. I think it's a little bit early. But if the Ducks are going to make a, a push and they're going to fight through what's going on right now, that's what I look at. The trade deadline's coming up. On the 26th, we're going to have some kind of a show that day, whether or not it's a podcast or a live show. But we're going to go over the Ducks, you know, what they do that day and, uh, of course, the league as well. But I still think there's a high probability, Eddie, that Murray does do something come this trade deadline. I know, uh, you know, uh, like you said, Garrett asked about it. And what what will they do? Will they look at you know McDonough, Hoffman, Yarmolson, any of those players? I really think Murray is going to be looking now. As far as what's going to happen that day, I mean, we don't know. A lot of times, <laughs> we've seen this before, Eddie, where it's it's the last minute that the Ducks come up with a bunch of moves. But I 
definitely think that Murray's shopping around, uh, especially after this road trip. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, again, we had questions from Chase and from Raquel Salas as well, asking us about um, who would we acquire if we were looking for a defenseman? Who would you rather get if you were going to put somebody on on Fowler's uh, pairing? Um, and again, at Nauseam, we've mentioned Jarmus and, and, and McDonough, and I think those are the two big names available. And, and I think going out and getting, you know, there's some guys out there like Cody Franzen. Um, you look at uh, a name somebody brought up, Radko Gudis was a name that was brought up. <laughs> Jordy Ben was another name. And, and those are almost just stop gaps and, and things that I don't think really help the Ducks long term. I had a question and I can't seem to find it, so I'm sorry. I, if you know who you are, you answer this question, then then at me at Twitter and I'll, I'll give you a shout out or something on the next show. But somebody had asked me, what do you think it would take to get Nick Yarmulson, and I put together a bunch of trades, so I'm really disappointed I can't find out who tweeted that. But looking at some similar deals uh, around defensemen, similar in caliber to Nick Yarmulson, including him himself when he was traded from Chicago to Arizona, so we'll start with that one. Uh, Arizona had acquired him and traded Laurent Dauphin, who at the time was a top nine, maybe high potential for a top six forward, and they traded away Connor Murphy, who was a younger bottom six, or sorry, younger bottom pair defenseman, wasn't really going to be anything more than that. And that was only June 23rd, 2017. Uh, and Nick Armelson hasn't really done much more to increase his value from there. So I think that's kind of a starting point and what you're looking for, kind of a mid-tier prospect and, and maybe, you know, a warm body to, to bring into the system. Um you know, then you look at uh, another deal uh, three days later after that one. Mark Mathot was acquired from the Vegas Golden Knights for a second-round pick and a, a goaltending prospect that Dallas had picked in, in the 2017 draft. You know, it, they're starting to kind of be a trend of what it will take. Uh, you know, the Rangers had acquired Brendan Smith from the Detroit Red Wings on February 28th, 2017 for a 2018 second and a 2017 third. Um, and then you look maybe even all the way back to when the Ducks acquired James Wisniewski. They ended up trading Rene Bork, William Carlson, a second-round pick, and they got Wisniewski in a third-round pick. And, you know, it, it, it's starting to kind of come together of what, you know, just looking at the past, not saying for sure, but what it would kind of cost to get Nick Yelmelson if you were to bring him in. And it's looking like it would either be a mid-tier prospect and a warm body or a mid-tier prospect and a third-round pick, or if you're just trading picks, then maybe a second-round pick and a third-round pick. And that seems to be what the price would be to acquire a guy like this. And I think that if that is the price, then you know the Ducks definitely have that available to them. I mean, they do have the extra third-round pick thanks to, to the pick that was acquired from New Jersey. They've got two third-round picks, so they can move one of those. Uh, and they they can either move this year's second or next year's second, depending on, on, on what uh, kind of assets they covet. And I think that's possible. I, I mean, to be honest, though, Nick Yamelson's name hasn't come up a lot anywhere. You know, I, I have no idea if he's actually available or not. I just think he's a, a good option for the Ducks to pursue, and, and that's kind of what he would cost. Uh, and to kind of expand onto that as well, and you look at what Ryan McDonough would cost, and I think that's more of a top-end tier and... and you know, that's a little bit more of a difficult deal for the Ducks to make. You know, that acquires, you know, that looks at you kind of sending back a, a first round pick and, and maybe a guy like Jakob Larson. And, and I think that's, you know, another interesting situation for the, for the Ducks to, to kind of pursue. And, you know, we'll have to kind of wait and see 
on the trade deadline to see what kind of avenue they pursue. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, Yarmulson would be the more cost-effective one of the two. And what in the world is going on with the New York Rangers? Uh, if you've been following them, they actually put out a tweet. It talked about what they're going to do. Uh, I mean, oh my lord, it sounds like a fire sale is going on in uh, Ranger land. They want to get younger uh, players. You know that. Uh, I mean, they put out this whole thing and, and kind of send their whole Twitter in a frenzy. Um, what do you think? I mean, they talked about, you know, going far in the playoffs. Um, they've got to the Stanley cup final. They didn't win in the last decade or so. Um, what do you think? Do you think that will affect them? You know, them, uh, getting rid of some of these players. Will they go for a lesser amount? Um, how do you think that that, uh, maybe plays into what the ducks are looking for at this uh, trade deadline, Eddie? Yeah. I, I mean, it's an interesting situation out of New York. I, I think, you know, they kind of just put things into perspective and, and look, you know, look at the composition of this team, look at the position they're, they're sitting in right now. And, you know, they just made the call that, you know, this is it. You know, the, there's not much going up from here. They probably aren't going to make the playoffs. Uh, and you look in the next season, there isn't really much upside if you're going to compete with the top teams in the NHL. You know, Henrik Lundqvist is going to be 36 next year. I mean, they still have him signed for eight and a half million for for three more seasons. So <laughs> that, that's going to be something that they're going to have to deal with for a little bit. But you know, he's not getting any younger, and, and that's your key piece if you're going to win a cup. I, I mean, they don't have anything in in that uh, prospect wise other than Igor Shesterkin, but he's out in the KHL, and they have no idea when he's going to be coming over to the NHL. So I think it's a smart move. Um, you know, they have a lot of good pieces they can move out, and they can acquire a lot of assets quickly. I mean, obviously, the the big one is UFA Rick Nash. Uh, more more likely than not, he will be on a different team come the trade deadline. He's already submitted his uh, his trade or his team list. I think it was about twelve teams that he would be traded to. So there's a, a guy right there. Matt Zuccarello is another name that had been floated out there. JT Miller is a guy you would expect. Michael Grabner will most likely be dealt as well because he's an unrestricted free agent. He's sitting on over 20 goals this season. Uh, and then on defense, again, Ryan McDonough's name comes up. Mark Stahl's name comes up. Nick Holden. I mean, yeah, this is there's no other word for it other than a fire sale. And, and it's I haven't seen this in a while from a team yeah. that that you expect that you know you expected so much from really at the beginning of the season. I don't think a lot of people thought the Rangers were Stanley Cup contenders, but I think a lot of people thought they were a playoff team, especially them going out and getting you know arguably one of the most coveted free agents in, in Kevin Shattenkirk, and they just couldn't put anything together. I mean, Shattenkirk is injured. Chris Crowder is injured. And they've had some issues, but this team has looked awful, and their defense hasn't been great. So I mean, you know, kudos on them for for realizing that this is it, and and for deciding to move assets when they have value, and to bring in bring in players that can help you, you know, rebuild quicker um, than if you had just kept all these guys and either lost them to free agency or traded them when they're UFAs and got less. I mean, McDonough's going to command a lot. Yeah, if you end up trading Mark Stahl, he could command a lot. If you, you know, Rick Nash is gonna get, get you a pretty good package as well. And if you move Zuccarello and JT Miller, those are two young forwards who could get you a lot as well. So if the Oilers, or sorry, if the the Rangers can move a lot of these guys either now or at the draft, they're gonna bring in a lot of assets to make themselves better in the near future. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at the trade deadline, you're looking at the number one team to be selling. 
you want to look at the Big Apple and the New York Rangers. They're they're going to be selling uh, big time. And I mean, uh, we talked about this earlier. I mean, teams don't usually announce this kind of stuff, and they they really laid it out there on social media. Um, so there's no there's no like secret as to what uh, the Rangers are planning to do. So. If you're looking at any of the teams come uh, February 26th that's going to be on the move, yeah, New York Rangers are going to be one of those teams. Um, and the Ducks may be involved, as we've talked about. There's there's some names in there as well. Um, a couple other fan questions here we have. Uh, kind of more affecting, I guess, the Ducks playoff chances too, Eddie. Uh, we had uh, Ricky asks, uh, what about uh, Mike Fisher and his decision to return out of retirement to Nashville, who was in second place in the Central Division? Um, kind of interesting. It sounds like Carrie Underwood was pushing him or Mr. or pushing Mr. Underwood. Um, but <laughs> it seems like that's going on. You know, we love the Nashville Predators, but, um, what do you think as far as, uh, as this affecting the playoff race? I mean, obviously you've got Winnipeg that's in first Nashville's right on their heels and then St. Louis in the central division. Um, do you think it's going to help or hurt this team? You know, and obviously it's going to affect, uh, how the ducks are doing too in this uh, Western conference playoff race. Yeah, I, I don't definitely don't think it's going to hurt them. Um, it, it's not going to really help them that much. Either. Mike Fisher's not going to bring a lot on the ice to that team. Uh, I think he gives them another option at center, which is always a good thing to have. Uh, it gives you a leader in the, in the dressing room that you know a lot of guys liked him when he was there. So I think you, you bring that aspect. And Nashville's a great team, and they're one of the best teams, if not the best team in the Western Conference. And, and they're a team that's a, a threat to go all the way and even win the Stanley Cup. So, you know, when you bring a veteran guy like that into the locker room, a guy that everybody likes, a guy that's been there before, he was there with you last year when they made their run to the Stanley Cup Final, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, you know, it's a weird one that he waited this long to come out of retirement. And, and you know, maybe he was saving his energy, waiting until the midseason mark. He knew the, the uh, Predators would be fine without him and, and comes back and, and kind of comes in at the, the easy point of the season and can just coast into the playoffs and save his energy. So maybe that's what they were deciding to do. But, yeah, I mean, it's not a blockbuster. I still think the the Predators are in the market for, for a top six winger, and, and that could be the big move that pushes them over the top. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I don't think it's going to help them too much. But, I mean, it is interesting, like you said, he waited so long and – who knows what kind of discussions he had with Kerry to uh, come back. So, um, you know, I, they're still going to be, you know, obviously a team that's going to be tough in the playoffs. So, uh, like we said, the Ducks are sitting there right on the outside. They got to fight it out. This The, the coming up uh, games that they have, they return home. They're going to face Edmonton. They're going to face San Jose. Uh, then they'll go on the road and they'll face Detroit, Chicago, Minnesota, and Van, uh, excuse me, uh, Vegas. So, uh, some big games here, Eddie, coming up. The Ducks are going to have to to take on some of their uh, division opponents. Uh, obviously, some of the teams in the Central Division. Um, you know, what do you what do you think as far as the Ducks? Uh, you know, coming up here uh, before the trade deadline with some of these big games. Yeah, I mean, it starts with tonight's game against the Oilers, and you know, they've struggled this season, but as of late, they you know, Connor McDavid has put them. Put them on his on his back and and really carried them through the last few games. I, I think he's at nine points in his last three games and twelve, I think, in his last five or something ridiculous. I, I mean, he's just on a tear. He's got himself into top three and and uh, goal scoring again. So uh, it's gonna be difficult. Um, I think they're lucky that they're playing at Honda Center. They don't have to go into Rogers Place and and uh, 
and play the Oilers at home. So that's going to be a little bit uh, beneficial coming off that road trip. It's always nice to come home and, and play uh, play at home, but it, it, it's not a fun one to come back to. There's a lot of uh, animosity here, especially from from the playoff series last year. I'm sure we'll see that um, with Lucic and Cashian still being part of the Oilers organization. Um, and it's never easy to shut down McDavid. And, you know, I'm a little bit worried with the struggles of Ryan Kessler, Cogliano, and Silverberg and, and how that line's really going to handle it. Because in the playoffs, those were the guys that were tasked with shutting down Connor McDavid. And I'm sure come tonight's game, they're going to be tasked with shutting him down again. Um, and after the display I, I saw in Toronto, I'm a little bit worried uh, how they're going to do, especially the way Connor McDavid's been playing lately. Uh, and then you move over and you look at the, the game against San Jose. Uh, like we mentioned earlier in the podcast, that's going to be the most important game of these next three games coming up. Uh, it's a four-point game. You're right behind San Jose in the standings. You have to win this one. Uh, it's not a, you know it's not a be-all, end-all. You don't not make the playoffs by uh, not winning this game. But you know it, it puts you a, a huge step back uh, if they lose this game to San Jose. It gives them a huge boost. San Jose already has a couple games in hand. And uh, I believe Calgary uh, won last night. So again, Calgary picked up points um, from the from uh, up on the Ducks as well. So I mean, this is this is essentially a must-win against San Jose if you're looking to keep keep pace in the Pacific Division. And then you close out the the or at least the week for us because we'll be back either Wednesday or Thursday of next week against Detroit. Um, and if any game was the easier game uh, of the week, I think it would have to be against Detroit. You know, you're going into... Careful, Eddie. Careful. <laughs> yeah, I know. We said that last time, so I don't want to say that. I mean, you're, you're going into the... I, I want to call it the Joe Lewis Arena because I I can't bring myself to call it Little Caesars Arena because I hate that name. But <laughs> you're going in to play Detroit in Detroit. You know, their fans are rowdy. It's always going to be a tough game. Uh, Detroit struggled a lot this season. They haven't got much going for them. Dylan Larkin um, and Anthony Mantha have really carried the play for them. Um, and other than that, they haven't got that great goaltending. Morazic's been good at times. Jimmy Howard's been good at times. But this should be a game they win. Uh, I think uh, it, it's the two most important games of Ford against the Oilers and the Sharks that are really the big ones to watch this week. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, the the Ducks they they've got to beat Edmonton, who's you know with obviously Connor McDavid have been playing decent. Uh, San Jose is a revenge game. They need to win this game in regulation. There's no going to overtime. They need to put the hurt back on San Jose and win this game. Like you said, Ducks have games, um, you know, more games played than some of the other teams in the Pacific, so they've got to start winning these. And of course, Detroit. You know, we always dislike Detroit. Uh, why not? So. The other thing, too, is don't forget uh, we're starting a new thing. When you have questions, uh, make sure to reply with the hashtag on Twitter, AskDMP. Uh, for some reason, we don't get to your question. Maybe it's because we didn't see the hashtag, so please do that. Um, it's a new thing we uh, started, but we're going to be doing that. And if we if we miss something, maybe that's why. So some things that are coming up in the next week or so, on the 17th, we will be at El Ranchito in Orange. The Ducks are playing Minnesota on the road trip at 11 a.m. Pacific time. So we will be there for brunch to party. So uh, make sure you're there, and we'll have a good time. Um, don't forget to check out the T-shirt sales. We've been uh, selling a bunch of stuff at 5 bucks a T-shirt at TNPHockey.com. So check that out. Um, as this month winds down, 
uh, on the 26th, we'll be doing some kind of show, like I said, either live or a podcast covering the trade deadline. So look for that as well. Um, we appreciate all the fan questions. We had a ton this week. We couldn't get to all of them. But like I said, use the hashtag AskDNP. Hopefully the Ducks uh, turn it uh, a little bit around this next week. And we'll be back probably in uh, mid next week. So let's go Ducks.